Hello and welcome back for another episode of the Outside is Overrated podcast. The best podcast produced in all of Minnesota. Suck it, Game Informer. Well, they have a they have a podcast? They do. It's, it's actually pretty good. I like them there. I listen to them all the time. All right. Go Game Informer. And they produce it every week, so I guess I could learn a little something from them. <laughs> Anyways, that's neither here nor there. This is episode five, Gaming Weekend for the Win. Joining me today is my co-host Jake, back for his third episode out of five. Nice work, Jake. Oh yeah, good to be here. We had a good game weekend uh, just a couple weeks ago. Great to get out and throw some dice and relax with the guys. Dudes and dudes and dudes and dudes and dudes and dudes and dudes. A lot of dudes. Minimal damage to the marriage. It was a good weekend. Good weekend. So if it seems like we're a little fuzzy on the games that we played, the gaming weekend actually happened two, three weeks ago. Yeah, something like that. I drug all the podcasting equipment there and thought, you know, we'll capture it as it's happening. We'll interview the guys. We'll get everyone involved. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And then Jake's like, eh, I'm going home. <laughs> well, you know, it, it was a good idea, Tom. And uh, had we spent one more night, we would have done it. But uh, that previous day when I woke you up out of a stupor and had you come in and take a look at one of my shits in the, in the toilet on flush there... I figured I couldn't top that, so I had to get going. I wouldn't expect you to be the kind of guy that shits 17 times a day and drags someone into the bathroom to uh, come take a look at it. Yeah, it was for uh, Mountain Dew Oreos. It was very black, very black near the end. It's a great way to wake up. Now, I was all concerned about getting into the bathroom before Duhau came over because he is very particular in his bathroom habits. And I figured after he had some coffee, he'd come in, he'd need to use the bathroom, so I'd get in there first and, uh, you know, stink it up for him. Yeah, it's uh, kind of your move, what I did. I had, uh, kind of my move. Nobody has ever seen my shit. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's the kind of thing you threaten all the time. I guess I actually uh, went ahead with it. So I did, you know, re- I'm relatively new to your group of friends, so I wasn't sure what the boundaries were. But you have now seen my shit. You've seen something that's come out of my anus. So I think our friendship's a little, little closer than it was before. We're practically blood brothers now. It's a beautiful thing. So we've been working on a lot of great stuff with Outside is Overrated. We have the website, outsideisoverrated.com. I'm actually a writer by trade, so most of my good stuff is actually on the website. Like, I like recording the podcast, that's why I got into this, but I'm not particularly good at it. I'm certainly not proficient at editing podcasts. Turns out that's a tremendous pain in the ass. But we really encourage people to check out the website, outsideisoverrated.com. I'm watching Kickstarter for uh, new properties that come out. I did a nice preview of a game called Massive Darkness that looks amazing. Almost like a dungeon-crawling Imperial Assault. Just a fantastic-looking game. If you're reading the articles on the site, you might notice a bunch of links and stuff from Amazon. Like, I'm not trying to whore out this site, but if you do happen to click on a link to Amazon from my site and purchase the games, I get a little kickback, and all of that's going to be invested back into gaming, so... It's kind of a circle of life. Buy the games so I can buy more games to talk about more games, and... More people will buy the game so I can buy more games. And, and whoring's not a bad thing, so please. It's the oldest profession in the world. Mm-hmm. We're ready to whore for you. We hope to hear from our fans. You can catch us a couple of different places online. Me specifically. Jake's a little bit more tricky. You can email us at overratedpod at gmail.com. That's overratedpod at gmail.com. There are two R's in overrated. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at twitter.com slash tom underscore underscore awesome. Don't follow the tom with one underscore awesome. Nope. That guy's a dick. No. Nope. I've met him, too. Huge dick. Huge dick. Well, I've been trying to do some things to kind of spruce up the podcast. As we record more episodes, I've been reaching out to try to get some guests on the show, which is kind of interesting. I reached out to a cosplayer on Instagram that has something ridiculous like 220,000 followers. Wow. Okay. Yeah, she has not replied to my request to join us for the podcast. Did you include a picture or not? Well, what kind of an Instagram message doesn't have a dick attached to it, Jake? I don't know these things in my... Uh, I guess you only have a flip uh, phone. You are missing out on so much of life, Jake, by not having a smartphone. 
You know, it's it's about temptation, and I know what I need to do to stay away from that stuff to get sucked in. That's, that's really what it is. Well, for the guy who drags other people in to look at his shits in the morning, <laughs> I imagine there's a whole lot of evil that you could do if you had a smartphone. Yeah, it's perfectly natural, by the way, what I did. <laughs> perfectly. I also reached out to the creators for Massive Darkness, the board game I saw on Kickstart that I did an article about. They haven't gotten back to me either, but I'm going to keep trying. Hopefully we can get some interesting people on the show. Yeah, please be our friends. We're horrid. <laughs> if you know somebody, if you know someone, if you have an interest, shoot me a note and I'll try to get them on the show. Sure. Also, we have a uh, uh, another contributor to your website, right? Yeah, we should mention that. Rogue Hippo, our friend Pat down in Florida, he made, well, he's going to be doing some video content for us, which is pretty exciting. He did a tutorial video for Primal Carnage, which I had never played or frankly even heard of. It's humans versus dinosaurs in an online PvP setting. Wow, okay. Pretty rad. And his most recent video, which won't be as recent by the time people actually hear this, but his most recent video is a Heroclix tutorial with some fantastic, stunning artwork in it. Absolutely. Oh yeah, love me some Heroclix. Watch it. Before we dive into our the meat of our show with Gaming Weekend, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about what we're playing right now. For me, I'm playing a uh, PC game called Darkest Dungeon. It is a roguelike tactical game. You have a team of adventurers of all these zany different classes. I have I have an abomination. I have some kind of paladin. I have a highwayman. I have some sort of healing cleric type person. This is a role-playing game, right? More like a dungeon-crawling... Hack and slash? Kind of hack and slash, but it's Diablo. a turn-based system. Turn-based turn based Diablo? You have four dudes on the screen at once up against yeah. two to five enemies. They're all standing in a straight line. Yeah. Kind of like Diablo cross with old-school Final Fantasy. Old-school Final Fantasy. Okay. It's pretty rocking. I'm also playing The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. I know which, this one. You do know this one. Yeah, that came out for... Wii, right? Originally on the Wii, I'm playing the HD remake on my Wii U, and I'm very fond of it. Have you played it? No, but uh, hey, I know something. <laughs> you are aware of it. Uh, we're going to be doing Zelda on an upcoming podcast. I'm not sure when we'll record it yet, but I'm doing my legwork. I've played surprisingly few of the Zelda games. I own almost every one of them. I have the digital download of The Legend of Zelda. I have a GameCube collector's edition that has Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda 2, mm-hmm. Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask. I've had Twilight Princess since it came out. I'm just now playing it after the second time I bought it with the HD version. Uh-huh. I've got Skyward Sword, I've got the handheld one, A Link to the Past, so I've had all these Zelda games. This is actually only the third one I've really played. Ah, okay. So you own them all, but you ha- this is only the third one you- you've been playing. Yeah, I've been hoarding them. I didn't actually beat the original Legend of Zelda until about a year ago for the first time. Kind of like in the movie episode when you revealed you were over 30 years old before you finally saw Aliens, right? Yeah, yeah, very similar. I guess I'm really coming into my dorkhood in my 30s. I'm really blossoming. I'm a late bloomer, Jake. (laughs) Late bloomer, okay. What were you you doing when this stuff was brand new? Well, I never had a Nintendo Entertainment System. Like, my mom was very against video games. So, like, the only time I got to play the NES was when I went over to my neighbor's house. Eventually, I saved up my allowance and shit for long enough to get a Sega Genesis. Uh, But I played mostly sports games on that. I got a PlayStation 1 towards the end of its life and got into role-playing games. I had my first Final Fantasy experience with Final Fantasy VII, but I didn't really get hardcore into gaming until the PlayStation 2. That's when I got a job at Target so I could get it near launch. I did the same thing when the Xbox 360 came out, and now that I'm adult and have more income, I just pre-order the consoles at GameStop and get them shortly after they come out. I see. Okay. Well, you know, that's that's kind of commendable because, uh, you know, I experienced all this stuff when I was a wee lad, because I was a brat. You know, I, w- I would ask for it and my folks would get it for me. 
you know, but you, you know, your sin and your little... I can see that reflected in your adult personality. Yeah, well, you know, you're your shanty. Mom, I want my friend to see my shit. And you're like, hey, can I please have a Nintendo? And your mom said, fuck no, Tom. <laughs> if we get you a Nintendo, we won't be able to eat for the next month. So, you know, I understand. You just had to deal with masturbating for entertainment. But... I started at a very young age. <laughs> you had to do to keep warm, right? Absolutely. Okay. All right, well, that makes sense. So here we are now. Here we are now. I also started something brand new. I bet you're going to think this is crazy because you don't have a smartphone. But today I downloaded Pokemon Go. I've heard of this. It's, uh, I don't even fully know how to describe it yet, but it's like, it's a GPS thingy where you walk around out in the neighborhood and there's all these augmented reality Pokemon just hanging out and you capture them and uh, you go places and I guess you can make them fight. I haven't figured that shit out yet, but I have four Pokemon. Yeah, I uh, experienced this. I was uh, going out to get my mail, okay? And uh, the neighbor kids, they came out with their smartphones. They're all of, I don't know, eight years old. And they go in my mailbox. And I say, wait, uh, I'm trying to be nice. Hey, what are you guys doing in there? And they're like, there's a Pokemon in your mailbox. And I'm like, huh? And I think there's, you know, a free Pikachu for me. So I run over there, and it's just my mail. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, kids? And they're just like, I got them already. And then they run away. All those little assholes. That was your Pokemon. I, I don't have a smartphone. I don't have the app. I guess you could draw a picture of Pikachu and then carry him around. This is my Pokemon Go. Anyway, so that's how I heard about it, because I had to go in and, you know, fire up the desktop, let it uh, virus scan for a good hour before I could, you know, go online, and then I could see why these rugrats were checking out my mailbox. <laughs> well, at least they didn't put a turd there for you. <laughs> <laughs> I could high-five them if they would have. <laughs> Are uh, you playing or doing anything interesting before we launch into the, our main segment? Like, do you mean interesting within the next few minutes? Is it with you or <laughs> no, in general. Oh, just interesting in general. <laughs> uh, well, you know, when this is done, I'm probably going to go to bed. And then I'll get up and I'll work the next day. Wait. These are the breakneck speeds, breakneck times that Jake lives in. Yeah. Uh, no, okay, let's see here. Oh, yeah. Might actually do some uh, hunting for some retro gaming coming up on Monday, making a little trip. Down to Mankato, they got a nice uh, store called We Got Game there. I am very familiar with Mankato. I went to college there. They used to have two game stops within about 100 yards of each other. Really? Hey, yeah. Don't suppose you're taking Monday off of work just for the hell of it. <laughs> I've been playing a fun game at work called We're Getting Ready for a Conference next week, so no, oh, okay. no, I won't be taking Monday off. Oh, okay. A different time of year, I would definitely be interested. I have kind of an interesting game hunting story. Towards the end of the... Uh, Towards the end of my college career, in the early 2000s, I decided that I was going to collect a whole bunch of vintage PlayStation 1 games. I was going to get all the role-playing games that I hadn't gotten around to playing yet and build this awesome collection of PlayStation 1 games. Okay. I was really excited for this game called Persona 2, and I did some searching online, and it was really expensive on eBay. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Well, maybe GameStop has it somewhere. And GameStop, you can search the website and find out where they have games. So I go on GameStop. I live in Mankato at the time, and they say that Brookings, South Dakota has a copy of Persona 2. And it's really cheap. It's like 10 bucks. I'm like, well... It's a couple-hour drive, but if it saves me 90 bucks, I'm sure it's worth it. Okay. So one of my buddies comes down from the city. We drive over to Brookings. It's a long trip. It's like three and a half, four hours. We get there. We get to GameStop. I'm like, I'd like a copy of Persona 2 for the PlayStation 1, please. Fucking guys like, we don't have PlayStation 1 games. <laughs> and they didn't. So, so the, you, What happened? You just got lied to or what? The GameStop uh, system is not 100% flawless, or at least it wasn't in the early 2000s in its game searches. Sure. So I uh, went to Timber Lodge. I had some potato skins. 
They have <laughs> you ate your tears. They have slot machines and gas stations out there, so I played yeah. some slot machines sure. and then I said, Well, this has been a hell of a day, let's go home. Sure. And drove back to Mankato. The early Gameless. days of the internet. The early days of the internet. Oh yeah. Eight minutes. Download picture of that boob. Yeah. Better be a damn nice booby. No. And it's usually average. Or chicks with dicks. But anyway. Anyways, let's talk about our gaming weekend. Like we said, it was a couple of weeks ago. It was a lot of fun. We had five players for the bulk of it. Not everyone likes to be named by name, so maybe we won't go into full detail, but we were both there. Duhau is there. That's three of our co-hosts out of four. Duhau is his nickname, right? Yeah. Got it. Okay. I mean, you know the guy. You knew that was his nickname. I don't know. Was was that his last name? No. No, not his last name. No, not his last name. So, And then we also had a couple of doctors there, too. So it was a real low-key weekend. Just us and the doctors hanging out. Mm-hmm. Well, they're both games. chiropractors, by the way. So, you know, if we, if at any point we had, uh, you know, pulled groin muscle. You know, and I know you're fond of pulling a groin muscle. Yeah. Or, the, you know, that thing where, like, your, your anus just starts to, like, just kind of vibrates like that. And you don't know what it is. Why are you laughing? It's a real thing. Right? It sounds like a real thing. <laughs> totally sounds real. Yeah, I hope that uh, Casey the Cairo inspected your rectum while we were at his house. No, he didn't. I was, uh... But, I mean, he was, he was on standby. Him and the other guy. But I did actually get an adjustment while we were at gaming weekends, so that's a sign that I'm old as balls. <laughs> we're going to break the games that we played down into a couple different categories. We're going to talk about the games. We'll talk about the results, but people who don't know us probably don't care that much. So, uh, you know, we'll talk more about the strengths of the games and whether we want to play them again and that kind of stuff. Right, yeah, exactly. We're, we're not just going to tell you about our weekend and how much fun we had. We're going to talk about... Uh, the different types of games we played and, and uh, you know, kind of break those down to some of the more popular categories of games that are out there. And, and uh, maybe you can share a little stuff with us. You can send us some emails. You can uh, let us know what are some of your favorite types of games. Where, where do they send that shit to again? Send your emails to overratedpod at gmail.com. That's overratedpod at gmail.com. Or you can send them to me on Twitter at twitter.com slash tom underscore underscore awesome. Two underscores because I'm twice as nice. So we were getting ready for the show here, and uh, I was talking about the different categories that I came up with, and he had a pretty good chuckle over this one. So I'm going to go ahead and say what I had written down for this category of games. I said randomized economic games. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense. But, but then, so so what what games do you have in there? Well, we only played one that fits in the category. Yeah. Uh, we played Five Tribes. For me, the genre encompasses games that have a randomization element, and they're one primarily through economic means. So Five Tribes fits that mold. Settlers of Catan definitely fits that mold. Um, Carcassarone probably fits that mold. Mm-hmm. And now that I talk about the different games in there, I can understand the point that you made. Yeah, yeah. So there, uh, uh, there's a little website called Board Game Geek, right? Which is kind of the, uh, or the geek, as it's commonly called. It's really a great website. We recommend it. It tells you about all this different board game knowledge. But these kind of games that Tom's talking about, they're called Euro games, I guess. Okay? Any idea why that is? Well, they're from Europe. We know that. They're games. Uh, but specifically, it's a, it's a type of game, right, where random chance is kind of less important, and it's more about gameplay, okay? And usually the themes are just kind of tacked on. So let me explain. So, for example, Settlers of Catan and all this stuff, whatever, you, what are you, you're essentially, you're building a little community, right? But that theme is just kind of pasted on there. Take that theme away, and you could just have, instead of rolling for wood or brick or whatever, you could just be rolling for the color orange or blue or purple, right? It's more, it's the mechanic of the game and how that, how that mechanic works 
and then they just kind of after the fact then they're like well sure let's put a theme on it. so i got this sweet mechanic let's make a game out of it yeah exactly all right so all right i like the color blue but what do, what do people want to do with this shit i don't know everyone likes building cities right we'll just have them build a settlement yeah. throw them on a goddamn island i don't care right in all these games it's not like American games, which we're going to get to. Ameritrash, as they're called, right? Where it's about throwing dice. America! It's about killing and conquering. That's Ameritrash. Usually Euro games are... And I'm Ameritom. Are you now? <laughs> I can just see the veins in your neck kind of protruding. Imagine what my penis is doing. <laughs> Alright. So, so Euro games, they're, uh, they're essentially... You know, your economic games, building stuff. Uh, I'm losing it over here, man. You'll be fine. Oh, he's going to wipe the tears away. Okay. <laughs> so you're building things normally. Meeples. Meeples are a big thing. You know what meeples are, right, Tom? I do. You can actually get munchkin meeples with artwork from the game Munchkin, which I don't actually care for the gameplay of Munchkin, but I love the artwork on it, so I'm going to have to get me some munchkin meeples. Really? We play munchkin a lot. You don't like it. I fucking hate munchkin. <laughs> We'll talk about that later, too. Okay. So, so anyway, our gaming weekend started with, what was it called? Five Tribes? Five Tribes. Five Tribes. It's a Days of Wonder product. Uh, Big you, fan of Days of Wonder. Yep. You you could call it a, a Euro game. It's a, it's usually economic-based. It's got meeples. There's no dice in this game. No dice at all, which I think is the only game that we play without dice. Usually we throw dice and kill things in the games we play. But yeah. this game, there's there's no killing, and, it, and it's uh, there's multiple ways to win. In a lot of these euros too, you you don't necessarily like with the, the game we played. You don't have to build the most castles or oases or, or whatever. Is oases is that plural for oasis? I don't know. I think it's oasisai. 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 I'm not gonna say. Oasisai. Oasisai. I just did. Yes, he said it. I win, honey. I win. Um, what were we talking? We're talking about Five Tribes. It was the first time either one of us had played it. Neither one of us owns this game. This was Adam's game. Yep. And they were pretty excited Wait, to lead off with it. Names, right? Well, we are now. Okay, this was that guy's name. One of the chiropractors. Yeah, one of the chiropractors. Yep. We'll call him Adam. <laughs> Alright, this is Adam's game. And uh, what else can we say about it? I thought the setup was really interesting. The game board itself, it's not like a board that you unfold or a board that sits in a box. It's a series of tiles that's randomized every time. They're about the size of a coaster. There are so many across, so many down. Right, okay. And then each one has a buttload of different colored meeples on it, which is also buttload. That is a technical term. I believe it's from the metric system. The metric system, okay. (laughs) The metric buttload of meeples. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like a metric shit ton. I get it. <laughs> yep. Keep yep. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I didn't really understand the rules of the game when we started. Like, no, they're like, oh, yeah. They're fucking idiots. Yeah, well, here's some colors. This is what this color does. This is what that color does. So pick some guys up and uh, make sure the last two colors match. Right, right. Or, or you could you can win uh, with just having the most types of merchant uh, different uh, goodies on these cards you can collect. It's just, really, it's just a hallmark of, of a Euro through and through. Different ways to win, randomized. In the placement, not, there's no dice. There's nothing to kill. It's really making the best of your given opportunity on each turn. Right. Yep. I guess that's what we say about that, right? We didn't win. We certainly didn't win. I came close to winning. You mentioned that you could ber- purchase merchandise, that there were, were goods that you could buy. And it's an interesting mechanic where there's like nine different pieces of merchandise. And you can buy different ones. And if you get a set, each piece in the set is worth more points. So like if you have three different ones, that's worth 
15 points. If you have four different ones, that's worth 20 points. If you have five different ones, it's worth oh, 30 okay. points, and it keeps escalating. Got it, got it. Scratch what I said. We were actually all very close to winning, weren't we? We were all very close to winning. We were okay. like six points away from each other at the end. Okay. Um, Adam mixed up his approach. What's he did, his name again? We'll call him Adam. Okay, got it. Yeah, mixed up his approach. He did a little bit of everything, and he wound up being the winner by a very, very narrow margin. Um, he had some castles, he had some camels, he had some goods. Yeah, in, case, in case you're still trying to figure it out, uh, the tacton theme for this Euro is ancient Middle East. Camels, what's the word? Oasisai? Oasisai. Yeah, uh-huh. In the desert, goods, trading. Genies, which didn't even come into play in our game. Oh, there's genies, right. Yeah. yeah. Didn't understand how those worked. You know, first time we played it, only played it once. What can you do? It was a tight game. I actually wound up not winning because I miscounted my number of items. I saw, thought I had a complete set of nine, which is worth 60 points. Yep. I only had eight, so I wound up losing by a very, very narrow margin, which sucks. Well, that happens. You, sometimes you think you have the longest road, with like a Catan reference, right? Yep. And then you don't have the longest road. Same thing when you go into a sauna with a bunch of guys, right? You think you have the longest road. You don't. I don't actually look at a lot of other guys' roads. How many how many dick jokes have we had already in this episode? A lot, right? Feels like it. Feels yeah. like a good amount. It feels like a healthy amount. It's robust. Okay, it's robust. Okay. A robust number of dick jokes. Uh, you went all in on your strategy. You tried to capture the yellow dudes. I don't remember what they're called, but that was one of the... If you have, the yellow dudes. Capture yeah. the yellow dudes. If you have the most yellow dudes, you get yes, a bonus, most too. most yellow meeples. That was... Yep. Didn't work for you. You got third. Fun game? You like it? Want to play it again? Yeah, no, it's a fun game. I'll play it again. You know, I mean, every, I mean, my favorite games, you're uh, blowing the shit out of each other, but hey, you need a break from that every Yeah, it's, it's a good palate cleanser. Like, it's never the game that I'll be excited about playing at right. uh, game weekend, but after a long game of hero clicks or something, it's like, yeah, let's play some Five Tribes. Let's mix it up. Let's uh, stop being so fucking angry at each other and uh, <laughs> move on for a little bit. Sure, yep, Five Tribes. Look it up on BoardGameGeek.com. And if you're into Euros, you're going to love it. It was the only Euro-type game we played. The next category that we're going to tackle is more in our wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. These are games of war, of conflict, and conquest. Yep. yep. The first one we played was, I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but Cyclades. Cyclades? Cyclades. Cyclades. Let's call it that Greek game. It's the Greek game. It's yeah. the Greek game. It's uh, a little bit different. There's, you bid for the favor of the gods each turn, and each god gives you a different ability that you can do. Like, if you want to move your ships... We better talk about the theme, right? True. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Set us up. Paint us a picture. Paint us a picture. Okay. So, uh, Cyclades, Cyclades, whatever. Okay. Uh, We are in ancient Greece. Okay. And it it is a mixture of combat amongst a group of islands in the uh, Mediterranean Sea. I am Sparta! Don't hit my mic. I got to say this is Sparta, exactly. What else? And, and so it's a everyone starts on an island, and you have starting troops, you have starting ships, right? And you have uh, you have starting income. Money. Yeah, I mean this is this is like a classic conquest game. We're on the we're on the lines of risk, even Axis and Allies is kind of like that. Multiple games where the goal is to, on the one hand, resource management, build up your forces, and then the other hand is attack your enemies crush them, gain their resources, one final victor. Just this one is in ancient Greek times, and besides just the warfare aspect, there's a healthy dose of Greek mythology thrown in the game as well. 
one of the or two of the things that I think set it apart is that you don't start in within striking distance of anyone. Nope, so right away. other conquest games, you walk over and you take your tanks and you fight their tanks. Not gonna happen in this game because everyone's separated on their own island. Like you're literally on your own little tiny island. Another thing that I think is unique about it is it's kind of limited movement. Like you can only move one type of thing per turn. Like if you get the ship god, you can move your ships, but you can't move Sorry. dudes to another. Well, the yeah. ship god. I know who the gods are. No, wait a minute, you said you're a writer, right? And you're like, the ship god. I'm like, beside it, you're like, fuck if I know. <laughs> if I wrote it, it'd be much more elegant. Okay. We're out here on a wire on the microphones, man. I'm really animated tonight. It is a weeknight. It is a weeknight. All jazz from long day of work, come home, talk about some fucking games, let's do it. Anyways, yeah, so, back to that okay. great game. And, okay, so... What were you talking about initially before I cut you off? So basically on your turn, we're talking about the favor of the gods, right? Well, I was talking about how difficult it is to move, but it probably makes more sense to talk about the favor of the gods. Sure. The start of the turn, you're going to bid for the favor of the gods. Everyone has one source of income. You pile up gold, and that gold is what you have to bid for the favor of the gods. It's very straightforward. Whoever has the most money gets to be president of the United States. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait. <laughs> Sorry, different topic. Different topic. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's different gods you, you uh, try to appease, right? Yep. There's, go ahead. The, Yo, you want to test my knowledge here? I want to see if you get the names right. All right. There's the boat god, Poseidon. <laughs> there's Ares. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There is... What is, he, what is he the god of? Uh-oh. He's the god of dudes. He's my favorite. Yeah, he's the god, god of, of war. war. God of war. Got it. Yep. Yep. There is Apollon. Apollon. Okay, it's printed Apollon on the board. It's Apollo, but oh, okay. on the board it's printed Apollon. Okay. <laughs> and he give you? he's the white one, right? Uh, no. He gives you money. Money, yep. Money. Um, there's also Athena, who is the goddess of love. She's the white one. She's how you win the game. And crap, I got so excited about my descriptions, I forgot who the last god was. Purple one. Zeus. Zeus. Oh. Of course, my man, Zeus. Think about Die Hard with a Vengeance. Never saw it. Shut the fuck. How about when the, you're, you know the scene with Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis? I know and, who Sam Jackson is. Yeah, and they're in the back, and, and Bruce Willis, I think, asks him, he says, hey, what's your name? And he says, Zeus. His character's name is Zeus. And he's like, hey, Zeus? And he's like, no, not hey, Zeus. Zeus, like the Greek god? Like, I'll zap your ass with a lightning bolt, motherfucker. But it sounds priceless. Yeah, you know, it's Sam Jackson saying it, so it's much better than me. But uh, No, I think you doing Sam Jackson is pretty pretty rocking. That was that was an impression at all. Well, let's hear your okay, impression you know, then. I'm a white guy from Minnesota. Good gravy. I'm not going to be able to do Sam Jackson. <laughs> all right, moving on. So you bid for the favor of the gods. You have so much gold, it's uh it's not blind bidding. Your gold is concealed, so nobody Unless they're astute, they don't know how much gold you actually have. Yeah. So there's a, there's a little bit of a euro thrown in there, too, because there's a lot of bidding in euros, right? Uh, so in this game, yeah, you're bidding because you have those different gods we described, and you're bidding money, and whoever throws it the most money for that particular god then gets to do what that god allows you to do, right? Because Poseidon lets you build ships and then move your ships, so you can attack other islands. Or you can move into position to attack with your dudes if you can win the bid on Ares. Right. Ares, dudes, you can build dudes, you can attack with dudes. Zeus lets you get, what, uh, he makes it like... Easy. He makes it cheaper to bid on things. Cheaper. Every time you win the favor of Zeus, you get a priest. And priests decrease your overall bid by one. So if you have five priests, 
You bid six gold, you wind up paying one gold. Apollo lets you have a, another money generation system, right? So yep, you, you get, get to put one of his cornucopias somewhere in your property, somewhere that you own, and mm-hmm. if you lose that property, someone else gets the money. Oh yeah, no. And then finally there's Athena, uh, and, and she's all about knowledge, right? So if you, when you get her favor, you get different cards and stuff. Well, you get a card, you get a, a philosopher. And when you get four philosophers, it turns into a metropolis. At its core, the game is built around building two metropolises. If you get two metropolises, one for each of your islands, you win. And there's two different ways you can accomplish that. One, each time you win the favor of a different god, you can purchase their building. Ares has a fort. Poseidon has... Uh, who knows? What do you, you just yeah. you check the interweb right there? Yeah, well, Nothing, right? computer went dark, so I, you know, I got scared. Yeah, okay. So you win the favor of gods, you build their building, you build one of each of the four different types of buildings, sure. boom, you have a metropolis, you're yeah. halfway to winning. There you go. Uh, but every time I've played the game, whoever takes Athena the most wins, because getting the four philosophers doesn't really cost you anything, it just, mm-hmm. it's a boring turn. There's only one way to win, you build two metropolises, but there are multiple different ways to get there. And, like you're describing, there's even a bloodless way to get there. You can, you can just get a bunch of these Athena cards, build two metropolises that way, so you can win without ever having to conquer anyone. And you were right there. I don't know if that was intentionally your strategy going in or if that's the way the cards shook out, but it looked like you were going to win this game easily because you had your first metropolis, you had at least one other philosopher card, and nobody had a bridge of boats out to you. Nobody could attack your stuff, and you had a nice force sitting right on top of it. Oh yeah, I was built up on that island. It took a very ballsy move by, let's call him Adam. Sure. He used a uh, creature. There's mythological creatures that you can call on in this game, too, and he used harpies or some shit to fly to your island and managed to get lucky with his rolls and knocked you off and stole your metropolis. Oh yeah, I was was up handily mid-game, of course, hoping that that would be end-game, right? But, yeah, he, uh, I was I didn't see that coming because there's the different monsters from mythology that also get thrown in there that you can bid on. And every turn they rotate through, so a monster will be out there for a maximum of three turns. They get a little bit cheaper the longer they're out there. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they just totally throw things up. Like he's talking this uh, essentially with that monster that allowed this player of ours, it's called him Adam, uh, to, uh, to have his army essentially teleport from his island to my island to overtake my. My big built-up area without the need of ships. And then it became his island. And then it became his island. And, of course, he eventually won the game. Uh, but it did get close at the end. It was very close. Yeah. Except for me. Once I once I got taken down a peg, it was hard for me to recover. But the monster element makes it so interesting. What else is in there? There's a kraken. There's a kraken. There's a... Uh, takes out ships, right? Yeah, big pain in the ass. It just roams around the sea eating ships. Minotaur. Plays defense on an island. Doesn't seem very useful, it, you have to use them at a very specific time. And if somebody bought the Minotaur when I was going to attack him, I'd just say, well, screw that. I'll attack him next turn when he doesn't have the Minotaur. That's right. There were... Minotaur, uh, he loves them and leaves them. He doesn't stick around. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there's harpies. <clears throat> there's a hag. There's a, there's a bunch of them. I don't know a lot about mythology, which you could probably guess from the boat god. <laughs> Not your strong suit. I get it. But overall, it's a pretty decent game. I like it, but I would almost equate it to Deadwood, the cowboy shooting game, where to me the most fun thing about this game is trying to wipe out the other person's islands, and that is not the way you win the game. The way you win the game is by avoiding conflict, piling up philosophers, and not pissing anyone off, and being inconspicuous until the end. So it's fun, but I think it's a fatal flaw where you can't win by playing it 
the most fun way. Ah, so you're so you're saying that avoiding conflict is the surefire way to win the game. Is that what you're saying? It seems like every game that I've played, and it's been six, seven games now, whoever gets stuck with Athena early on winds up making a very strong play to win the game. Ah, okay. Well, I would say, listening audience, check out Cicleads. Decide for yourself. Check it out on Board Game Geek. Actually, if you're into games, just buy it. It's really good. And buy it off. Outside is overrated. Oh yeah, do we have the link? We're whores. We don't yet, but probably by the time this posts. Yeah, okay. Buy it off. Outside is overrated.com. The other war game we played is kind of a standby for us. We played Memoir 44, which is your game, Jake. You introduced me to it. You probably introduced our whole friend group to it. It's a war game. And uh, why don't you give us a rundown of what Memoir 44 entails? Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a Days of Wonder product. As far as a war game, I'd say it's a very light war game. It's World War II based. And uh, it, it's essentially, when we were getting into it, or, or when, before I bought it, I did a lot of research. I wanted to find a, a World War II tactical game. Yep, we got soldiers, we got tanks, we got, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, but I wanted to find something that was easy enough and, and was kind of a good game to get a lot of people into play. So I didn't want something that was too difficult. Not that I don't like those games, I do, but I wanted to make sure that this one had little plastic figures to move around, a lot of dice to chuck, and something that would just draw people in. So, Memoir 44 is what I went with. And it checks all those boxes admirably. Yes, yep. And, uh, and I, you know, the... Essentially, Memoir 44 is a single-player game when you just buy the box. Or you're not single-player, uh, two-player. Two-player game. Right. But when you get two boards, put them together, and then you open up multiplayer battles, I think that's where Memoir 44 really shines. It's been interesting to me to see how well it scales, because I've never actually played a one-on-one game of Memoir 44. I've played four-player games. I've played six-player games. I think we've even gone as high as eight-player games, haven't we? It supports update. Yeah. So we played some pretty massive games, and the setup can be looks cumbersome. It's hard for me to say for sure because you always set the shit up. Usually we play Memoir 44 first so that you can set it all up, and then we can all just come and have fun playing the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. How do the scenarios work? Oh, sure. Well, the, the, the essence of the game is you got a board, right? And, and it's got uh, hexes on it, okay? And it's just, I mean, the board will just be like grass, okay? Or one board will just be desert or winter or even beach landing, right? And then the main thing of the game that makes it so versatile is it comes with terrain tiles. So you set down your board, and then you have different hex tiles that have like a hill or a forest or a town or whatever. And there's just like, there's hundreds of these. That, and you can buy different ones to give you different stuff like radar stations and dams and different things like that. And then you can set them up, and you can either make up your own stuff or every expansion you buy it always comes with like you know a handful of scenarios that are based off of real battles right? they also release some that you download didn't they oh there's tons on the website yeah so you can uh, you can go to the website there's a big uh, active fan community so essentially if you were interested in this game you would just buy the game okay and then you have the 16 scenarios that come in the booklet and then you would have access to hundreds more instantly online some of them very good fan created and official and then you start buying some of the expansions, and you really, it's limitless possibilities now. There's thousands of scenarios. It might be a little hard jumping in, because the base game is great, but to really expand it for more people, you need a second board. So you either need a buddy that you can play with regularly, or you just need to go by the board. I've also noticed that you've needed extra pieces when setting up some of our bigger battles. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's the, that, that's the thing. It's kind of a, you know, like a lot of games, it, it, it's designed to suck you in so you have to buy more stuff. You know, so yeah. Perfectly designed. <laughs> right, exactly. You're like, ooh, I want that piece. Oh, I need this expansion to get that, though. Well, I better buy that expansion. So, 
before you know it, you have someone like me who has everything, and then I also sucked in you, and uh, that other friend, let's call him Adam. Yeah, Adam works. Let's go with Adam. Okay, let's call him Adam. And it sucked him in, too, so then I have you guys buying your own copy of the game, and he has some of the expansions, too, so then we just have a ton of shit, and we can have big battles, so... It's a lot of fun. One side controls the Axis, one side controls the Allies. You have these different cards that outline the maneuvers that you can do. You have units of soldiers that can move so far and shoot. You have units of tanks that can move farther and still shoot. You have towns with defensive bonuses. You have different objectives like capture this town, kill so many enemy units. And uh, the heart of the game is just moving your dudes into position and rolling a big handful of dice for them. Right, exactly. Think, think if you will, of Axis and Allies, which I assume most people listening to this have played. But instead of a big map of the world, this game is focused on individual battles. So there's no need for research, or excuse me, uh, not research, uh, resource generation. And and I definitely enjoy that in some other games, but this game is just like combat. Nothing else. You've got your finite resources and go get them. Go get them, yep. And it's all about the, the strategy. And then you're working as a team. You can have up to eight players or more in some scenarios. And, uh, but you're on two different sides, so there's a lot of interaction in the team. You know, how are we going to work together? Hey, I'm going to go throw my guys in here. Hopefully that will distract this asshole we're playing against. So then you take your guys and swing around this way. You get all that cool stuff, and you can, you know, do your best George Patton impersonations and talk about flanking and chew on cigars. And not that I've ever done that, but, you know. Yeah, if you have something cylindrical in your mouth, it's usually a penis. Awkward silence. Tom giggling. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's a memoir 44. It's good. It's good. It's it's still going. It's part of the Command and Colors uh, family of games, like I said before. And I'll just say this too. We, of course, recommend memoir 44. I like the World War II theme. You know, my Gramps, he was in it. A lot of people around our age have someone we know who is maybe long gone by now, but someone who was in it at some point. Uh, but if you're not in the World War II, there is a Civil War version of this. There's a medieval fantasy version. There's a medieval fantasy version that's specifically based on the battles in Game of Thrones. Huh. There's a ancient warfare. So if you want your Romans and your Carthaginians, you got that. You got Napoleonic Wars. You got feudal Japan. You just came out with a World War One version. Like, I don't know how that works. Everyone dies. I don't <laughs> know. Uh, Revolutionary War. They, and now they just put out a space version, too. That's wild. I had no idea there were so many different variations. Yep. They're everywhere. And I already dumped all my money in number 44, so I can't get into these other ones. But maybe someone else can. So anyway, it's a versatile system, and in all these different things, they all have their own little twist to the rules to make it conform more to that particular period you're talking about. But overall, I mean, when it comes to kind of a light, easy-going war game that people can just jump in and play and move around with a lot of little plastic dudes... The system's awesome. No doubt. So we were playing two-on-two for this. We didn't have do-how for Memoir 44. I was teamed up with uh, one guy. We'll call him Adam. You had Casey the Cairo on your team. Wait, we use his name too? Yeah, he writes into the show a lot. I figure we'll use his name. That's true, that's true. It was a pretty even game. It was pretty tight. You guys ultimately won. I felt like it was because I got cold at critical moments. I felt like it was evenly matched, but in the clutch situations, I just... Kind of shit the bed. <laughs> shit the bed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, well, you know, it's, it's a war game, but it's kind of Ameritrashy as well. It's a Days of Wonder product. I don't know if it's made in America, but, um, you know, Ameritrash, the essence is you roll it a bunch of dice and you're going to have, you're going to have some luck, you know? But like you came in, you had this big attack and, you know, 
you're charging up this hill, you're shooting my guys in the face, you know, I'm trying to bayonet you. I'm just using my imagination here. But, you know, that's what, we're just moving plastic toys with our hands, okay? But this, that's what's happening, okay? And then you're like, all right, throw some dice. And basically, this would be you jizz volcanoing on my guy's face. But what happened? Whifferino. Whifferino went limp, and then I killed you. Lots of bayonets. Yeah. All in my faces. And my poor partner, like, I have a little bit of a tendency to run my mouth when we're gaming. I have kind of a running commentary, and when things aren't going so well, the things that are coming out of my mouth don't tend to be so positive. And instead of taking it out on myself or our opponents, I just let my poor partner have it the whole game. Every time he had a subpar role, I'd just say, Oh my god, you're fucking terrible. Are you kidding me? Again? Like, I was the one dragging the team down. <laughs> but he just listened to me berate him for, I don't know, two hours? Is that how about how long a game lasts? He just laid down. I mean, he just laid down, face down, and he just let you do it. Yeah, well, you know, that's why we're friends. Yep. What's his name? Let's call him Adam. Okay. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's all right. So before we go on to the other games that we played in Game Week, and I thought we'd break things up a little bit here, and we'd talk about the games that we are jonesing to play. We didn't get to play everything at Game Weekend. We have too many games. We have too many games. Too yeah. many games, too little time. Yeah. So without further ado, here are the five games that I just got to get out and play. Whoa. All right. Let's hear it. It's time now for... The Final Countdown! Tom Awesome's Top 5 Countdown. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Number 5. This is one of my favorite games. I own it, so I can play it anytime, but I just haven't gotten around to it in a while, and it's The Thunderstone. The Thunderstone. The Thunderstone. It's a deck-building, dungeon-crawling game where you fight monsters, you buy items, it's kind of a fantasy setting, you buy heroes, and you go fight the monsters. It's a pretty fun game, it's up to four players, it's my only deck-building game, and I think it's been pretty well-received with all my groups of friends. I have played it, it's pretty solid. So, yeah. it's, so it's like a, it's medieval fantasy, right? Killing monsters, but and there's a board, but you're not moving like dudes around on the board. Nope, it's just the board is just placeholder for where the different items are set up, where the different excuse me townspeople are set up, where the monsters that you're currently facing are set up. So it's essentially a hybrid of card and board games, mostly card. Though. Mostly card game, ninety percent card, ten percent board. Interesting. Do you know any other game that's like this? Yeah, there's a uh, Marvel and DC deck building games. There's uh, Marvel has the Legendary series. There's okay. also Legendary Villains. I forget what the DC one is called, but I don't really care for it. Because you don't like DC. Don't really like DC. And the game, frankly, it isn't that fun. It's kind of got the munchkin thing where one person is charging up to the victory inevitably, and then they get screwed at the end, and the second place player is just like, well, I win. You better explain munchkin. For those of you who haven't played munchkin, what's munchkin? Uh, munchkin sucks. Okay. Munchkin's a card game. Munchkin's a card game. It's got great art style. You're fighting monsters. You try to get to level 10. When you get to level 10, you win. Ta-da! Every time you kill a monster, you go up a level. Sometimes you get a card that moves you up a level. Sometimes if you lose to a monster, you go down levels. Sometimes people screw you. And it's not a horrible game, but the ending always seems to go the same way. One person gets some good gear, gets some good luck. They get into position to win. Usually it's me. And then inevitably, they get right to the cusp. They're one monster kill away from winning, and they draw a very killable monster. And everybody on the table pools all their resources to screw them. And then the second person, who's probably just a little bit behind, is just like, well, I win, because nobody has anything left to mess with me. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I understand. In Munchkin, it's called Munchkin because the artwork is little people, right? Little people. I don't know why it's called Munchkin. 
and uh, it's it's like a it's a satire. It's making fun of Dungeons and Dragons, essentially, right? And a whole bunch of other stuff. A bunch of other stuff. Yeah. So it's a card game, but you enjoy Thunderstorm much more. Much more. And speaking of card games, I also enjoyed the Lord of the Rings Living Card Game, number four on my list, much more than Munchkin. It's another deck-building game. You have four different schools that you draw cards from, and they have different heroes from the Lord of the Rings universe. Like, there's a uh, lore school. There's Tactics, which has um, Strider and... Strider! Strider! Sheesh, I don't even remember my Lord of the Rings character names. Legolas and one of the dwarves. And There's these different schools. You build a deck, and it's compatible. It's a two-person cooperative dungeon-crawling card game. Whoa, run that by me again. So it's a two-player cooperative deck-building living card game. Yeah, it's beautiful. I play it with my wife. We both really enjoy it. You get uh, There's different classes of monsters, and different scenarios call for different mashups of those monsters. Like, the beginner scenario has spiders and orcs, and I forget the third class of monsters that's in it. But then you kind of mash it up, and there's different tiers to the scenario. Like, when you do so many of this thing, you flip over the scenario card, and now you have to accomplish something else. You have to beat so many monsters, go to so many locations, and then if you manage that, you flip it over, and you go on to something else. And The monsters keep piling up, and there's a threat-level mechanic, which if you generate too much threat, which happens from taking damage and some other game effects, too much threat, and you just automatically lose. Mm-hmm. It's a really fun game. Out of the box, it comes with three different scenarios that you can play. There's a million expansions. They do these adventure packs, which are two cards for each one of the schools, some new monsters, and a new scenario to play. Mm -hmm. There's six of those per set, and then they do a big, like, base expansion, Mm -hmm. and then there's six more of the mini expansions that go with that, and then they do another base expansion, and then there's six more that go with that. It's a never-ending cycle. Living card game means you're going to be broke as hell if you really like this game. Money suck. Money suck. But it's by Fantasy Flight Games, it's well-balanced, and it's just a blast. I really enjoy it. Is it more than two players, or is it just two? It can be. It can go up to four, but the problem with that is you have to buy the base game twice, then, to go up to four players. Yeah, I'm used to that. Memoir 44, all yeah. the command color games, they're the same way. If you want more than two players, you got to buy another base game so you get the board. It's an ingenious little nasty model that they've all come up with, but damn it, it works, doesn't it? It works, and I mean, if a game's fun, I don't mind paying more to play more of it like i want a robust experience out of the game i actually reviewed lord of the rings the living card game on outside is overrated.com and i talked about how fun it is but my biggest gripe is that you don't get enough out of the base box mm-hmm. like we got a couple of very thorough hours of enjoyment out of it but to really get into it we started buying the expansion so that our decks were bigger and more versatile all right let's ex- before we move on to your next game again you love lord of the rings I'm. I like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you like. You like. Okay. You I like. like I like books. the books. You like the books because I remember our last show. When it came down to it, you're like Frodo's a bitch. Therefore, let's get Lord of the Rings out of here. I like Lord of the Rings. Frodo sucks my balls. <laughs> I once had a D and D character called Frobag suck my balls. Wow, that's a lot of hate. A lot of hate for Frodo Baggins. I think he's the most overrated character in just about any medium, really ever. Wow, really? Yeah, hate Frodo. Jeez. Samwise Gamgee. Now there's a hobbit. That's a hobbit I can get behind. That's a hobbit. Okay, we're behind you. When did you first read Lord of the Rings, by the way? College. Hobbit in high school, Lord of the Rings in college. Hobbit in high school? Yeah, no. it was required reading in like ninth grade. Okay. Okay. Right before the movies came out. Hey, that's right. Yeah, that was a big driver to get through uh, Two Towers. No, Return of the King? What's the last one? It's been a while. 
Again, writing is your thing. <laughs> writing, very good. Speaking, okay. <laughs> yeah, Return of the King. That's the last one. Yeah, it was a little bit of a slog to get through that one before the movie started coming out, but, you know. Right on. Right on. So you like Lord of the Rings, but you love Lord of the Rings, living card game. I do. Number three on my list is a game that I know you personally abhor. You hate it. You can't stand it. But I'm very fond of it. It's Smash Up. Smash Up is another card game. It, I can't call it a deck building game because cards come from all these different genres and you pick two different genres and you mash them up to create one deck. Like you could have ninja pirates or you could have dinosaur plants or you could have time traveling shapeshifters. So it's, it's called Smash Up because essentially any kind of category of thing the dorks are into but they're all in the same game yep and, and they get smashed game. up into one deck you new smash game. two factions together to create something new and fun and unique got it okay pretty simple game you have a couple different bases out there you play cards to mess with each other you play cards to claim bases and score points and uh base game's a little unbalanced and it totally poisoned the experience for my entire group of friends you did, you did. here's what you did you uh, came over and you say hey i got this sweet new game let's play it you're setting it up. I mean, it's a card game, so there's not much setup. You're like, it's called Smash Up. You're telling us about it, and you're showing us the different factions, and you say, pick two. And so we all pick stuff, and then you say, you guys suck. I'm going to pick these two. And we thought, like, uh-oh, damn it. He knows the best combination. To be fair, I have always told people to pick the zombies. <laughs> anyway, so the rest of us, we get crushed, right? I crush you too good, which is not all that different from most of the games that we play. I think that I have a track record of running towards the forefront of finishing in games, with the exception of Revolution against Casey the Cairo, that son of a bitch. <laughs> I, uh, I, des I described, uh, so what is the story about your game, Smash Up? I was in a, I was in a store. I won't name the store, but uh, it was a dork store, and they were running a special on Smash Up, and I was buying something at the, at the desk there, and the guy... You know, he's... I'm making chit -chat. I'm busting up just thinking about the story. No, no, no it's, it's good. And, and so he's, uh, you know, we're chit-chatting, and then he's like, oh, have you heard of Smash Up? And he pointed out to me, and I looked over my shoulder, and I said, yeah, I know Smash Up. And I'm recalling the one time I played at that point where you hosed all of us, and, and I don't know why this came out, because I wasn't close enough with this guy to say this, but I said, yeah, I played Smash Up. Yeah, it's basically like getting the big creamy load all over my face. And the guy... The poor guy, he's just a very uncomfortable look on his face because he doesn't, he maybe doesn't know if I'm gay or not. So he doesn't want to say, oh man, that sounds awful because maybe he thinks, well, this guy could be gay. So maybe he's into that. So he's just like, oh, well, okay. And I'd like to clarify right here once again that there's nothing wrong with gay people. We're fond of them. Don't send us hate mail. We love everybody. Yeah. It's just, you know. We, we have this thing in our little group that when someone dominates at a game, we stand up and we, you know, what do we do? We take our hands. It's called a jizz volcano. Yeah, and it's, it's like we're moving our hands like this, like an emotion, like a guy. People can't see what you're doing with your hands. You say you're moving them like this, and now I'm doing it with my hands, and people can't see this either. We're both, yeah. you know. What you do, you beat someone at a game, okay? You stand up. So everyone can see your crotch, right? And then you move your hands like it's Old Faithful, and that's supposed to be a volcano of... Uh, Jizz, covering your fallen enemies. Semen, yep. Yeah. I think I started... Well, I know I started that. Welcome to my group of friends. Mm -hmm. So, that's Smash Up, everyone. Go ahead and check it out. <laughs>
Uh, it's like getting a facial. Number two. So the number two game that I've been playing, or jonesing to play, and uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to mash up something I was going to talk about a little bit later here, but it's X-Wing. X-Wing is an awesome little ship-based tactical game where you have these different ships from the Star Wars universe, and you play on a big play space, a table or something, and you fight squads of other ships from the other team. It's a miniatures game, right? Miniatures so you, game, yeah. yeah. So you you essentially you buy the miniatures. Do you have to glue them together and paint them? Like Warhammer? Nope, they come pre-made. You just okay. pop them on a little plastic holder thing and pop that in the sand when you're going to use that particular ship. Yeah, so it's, it's like most miniatures game. Again, it's kind of a... It hooks you in, right? Because you are building your army yourself. And then you when you play someone, you bring your army that you've built, right? And then you mm-hmm. duke it out. You see who wins. So you've got, you got to buy the ships... If you want the good ships, you do. The base game comes with one X-Wing and two TIE Fighters. I now have a tackle box full of ships, and they're awesome. The ships look really cool, and it's a really fun game. Fantasy Flight. Fantasy Flight. Good quality products. Good quality product, lots of pieces, and kind of a brutal business model. I love Fantasy Flight products, but, you know, they get an awful lot of money out of me. (laughs) But I feel like some more things should maybe be included in the base games. That's neither here nor there. One of the reasons that I was... So excited to play X-Wing, or that I'm so jonesing to play X-Wing, is I have a lot of ships. My wife has been wonderful, and she's gotten me a lot of ships for presents, and I have a pretty robust collection. And the last time we had played it was at our last Dork Weekend, and we took on the Millennium Falcon. Were you a part of this game? I was not. I, only, I heard about it. So, there were four of us. We were on two sides. One of the guys had the Millennium Falcon, and I took this two souped-up TIE Fighters. My teammate had one or two souped-up ships, too, and we just got obliterated. Because the Millennium Falcon can shoot a lot, it can shoot far, and it does a lot of damage. His teammate had some ships too, but he was really inconsequential because we were trying to take down the big guns first. We went all in, and I realized after the fact that that was a terrible strategy. Souped-up ships are good when you're fighting other smaller ships, but when you're taking on a ship like the Millennium Falcon, it's a numbers game. I should have come in with as many TIE fighters as I could have possibly mustered, because I'm going to lose one a turn regardless, at least one a turn, but if I have... 10 crappy ships to start with that at least buys me more turns to try to get some damage on the falcon as it was it was about two turns and i was toast my game was over and it's like well awesome any other thoughts on millennium falcon no it's just that it's the fastest ship in the galaxy so good luck. it did the kessel run in under 12 parsecs yep yep which is parsecs is a unit of it's also from the metric system oh yeah Got it. yeah yeah so the number one game number one game in our countdown are the things that i'm dying to play and it's actually something that we played at Dork Weekend, just not enough. Star Wars Imperial Assault. I also talked about it on OutsidersOverrated.com. But this game just blew me away. I got it as a wedding gift a year ago, and it's a really unique setup. Four players take the role of Jedi heroes, or rebel heroes. One player takes command of the entire Imperial Army, and they're set together in these dungeons with set objectives, and they duke it out. So it, in some ways, it's like one of these... Um... It's like one of these board role-playing games. Like, a, you know, for those of you who are old enough to remember, like, Hero Quest, right? Where you have one player is, like, the dungeon master controlling all the monsters, and then everyone else has the one specific hero. This is a little different, though, because the Imperial player, they control all the Imperial characters, but they're not necessarily a dungeon master. They are trying to win, as opposed to just trying to facilitate the fun. And that's a big distinction. Uh, I know you've run Hero Quest for us before, but Imperial Assault, the Imperial players, they know the surprises. Like, they know what's going to happen when you hit this button, and they know some things that happen behind the scenes. But like you said, they're not 
running the show for everyone. They're actively participating. Yes. They have a whole squad of guys. They can buy reinforcements. They can patch up their dudes, and they have some really tough heroes that they have to try to take down. Right. Yep. And so you, you think think of it like this: it's a five player game. You got your one dude with a ton of stormtroopers and various imperial dudes, and then you have four heroes, each with a unique rebel hero. That we had uh, one character was like a uh, like a Jedi, right? And then we had a. Uh, I was a trooper. I was a command character. I was able to. Boss people around and give them extra actions. Yep, and I was the big Wookiee with a big stick, rolling tons of dice, killing stormtroopers left and right. The base mechanic seemed simple enough. Every character gets two actions per turn. Like, you can move and you can shoot, or if you're a rebel, you can shoot and you can shoot, or you can move and you can open a door. You get to do two things. But it's amazing the complexity that can be introduced when you only do two things a turn. The rule book for this game is absolutely massive. There's a nice tutorial section where you get your feet in, you get to roll some dice, you get to battle some people, and it's a relatively short setup. But the bulk of the game is set up in this episodic fashion, where you start with the first mission, you start with Aftermath, and then everything that happens afterwards is based off of things that happened in Aftermath. The story branches from there, and then there's opportunities for further branches. I put time into learning the rules for this game before we played. Like, I put hours into trying to get my head around the rules and how things would work, and I would say that our attempt at playing the campaign for Imperial Assault was nothing short of a disaster. <laughs> yes. It was, well, that speaks a lot to the game, that we still had fun, right? We had a lot of fun. Like, I would have played it the entire day if we were able. If we had an Imperial player who wasn't pissed that we were killing his <laughs> Stormtroopers left. He took it a little hard. And, I mean, some of his beefs were well-founded. I didn't understand the Imperial rules that well. There was a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a solid game, though, and it's uh, I would recommend it to anyone who's into dungeon crawl t- kind of games. I'd recommend it to anyone who's into Star Wars, and I'd recommend it to pe- people who just like to move around, cool-looking plastic miniatures, roll dice, and, you know, have a good time. I mean, like, this is some of the best-looking miniatures I've ever seen. We're going to paint them. Phoenix is going to paint them for me, so I'm going to have some... Them? We're going to have some really rocking little miniatures the next time we play it. And I agree with everything you just said, but I would also add the caveat that you need someone that is committed to learning the rules and can run it for everybody. (laughs) And that person is not you who owns the game. (laughs) Well, you know, I have this giant bookcase of games that I try to be familiar with the rules for all of them. I have a job that keeps me very busy. I'm buying a house. I'm playing the buying a house game right now. By the time this podcast is posted, I'll have a house the next time we record. Very well could be in that house where the AC can keep running even when we're recording. We don't have to sit here sweating balls in my kitchen. We'll be in my nerd den. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Still sweating balls. Still sweating balls, but because we like it. Friction. Yeah. 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 Pitcher. So you need someone that's... Explain to me why you're not learning the rules. <laughs> keep going. Well, you need someone that's committed. And usually that person has to play as the Imperial player. Uh-huh. And that's what the game recommends, is that the person who is most familiar plays as the Imperial. But for once... With this particular game, I don't want to be the bad guy in it. Like, usually, I'm the villain in anything that we play, because it's, you know, I have kind of an asshole streak, and it really comes out when I'm gaming. Like, I I am, frankly, awful at times. You've been, yeah. you've received the brunt of that before. Oh, yeah, I've received that. Just imagine what you're going to get for showing me your shit. Vengeance will be mine. But for once, I want to be on the good guy side. I want to be on the collaborative side, so I kind of pawned off the Imperial on to Casey. He was a good sport, and he tried hard, but he had never really read the rules before, and it's too much to just... It's really too much to bring in new players. Four new players. Five new players. I'd never played it before. No one. Yeah, so if you're going to play it, you should have someone that's committed to really, really, really learning the rules, and you need a group that's going to play semi-often to really get the most out of it. That's true. I mean, there's so many quests, missions, whatever you call them, you know, and then and then each 
quest when it finishes there's bookkeeping to do you level up your characters the imperial player even gets stuff to level up so it's it's not as in-depth as like a role-playing campaign but it's pretty close it's kind of halfway in between board gaming and role-playing it's an it's i love it i love both genres and i think this was something fun and refreshing and new and a nice hybrid between the two Mm -hmm. and it's got a star wars theme which you know judging by the last episode we kind of agree that you know star wars is king of king of dork franchises right yeah let's plan an entire weekend of just imperial assault <laughs> well <laughs> yeah maybe that's a bit much yeah. so that was in a nutshell gaming weekend it's fun to get together and it's great to get together with a group of guys it takes so much work for us to pull one of these off right now like it's literally months of planning you and i had talked about this weekend months ahead of time i think that maybe i have the greatest flexibility i don't have kids yet your schedule can be pretty tight i guess do house a little easy but it takes months of planning months of preparation and about a billion text messages from me to make these things happen yeah it does and and some of you out there listening you probably understand too i mean like every little thing you add to your life you know real job house wife or you know serious partner children each child takes away you know you know unless you we have a friend it just says F all that and just ditches his wife and kids to go play games and just, you know, scratches his groin and he leaves pubes everywhere. He goes, you know. Friend, that's a good term for him. Yeah, not not really. You know, so there, you know, there are people who this kind of stuff is not a hindrance for them just running away to join a game weekend. But for most people, yeah. For most of us, yeah. And I imagine all of our listeners, it, that's why you're listening to us because we're all in kind of a similar boat. We're trying to balance gaming with adult life. Yeah. So we encourage you to uh, get together with your friends, play some games, and tell us about us. Shoot us an email at overratedpod at gmail.com, overratedpod at gmail.com. Tell us about your gaming weekends, and we'd love to talk about them sometime. Yeah, sure. I think it's time for us to dive into some fan mail. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's check it out. What do we got here? You got the... Well, let me start it off here. Sure. Uh, my buddy Mike sent me this. Mike actually sent two things. I'm now holding the fucking man. Uh, after listening to our first podcast, my buddy Mike, he went out and he got me a Punisher bobblehead. A yeah. Funko Punisher bobblehead. That's love right there. It's something. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I feel something similar after receiving the Punisher. But Mike writes in with this. In response to my less than favorable review of Moon Knight as a character in the Marvel Universe, Mike emails, I can't believe you dissed Moon Knight. Mark Spector, mercenary, millionaire, cabbie, a.k.a. Moon Knight. Aided by his sidekick Frenchie, he wages war against evil with some poorly defined superpowers, a few gadgets, and a really cool suit. <laughs> I gotta hand it to him. I mean, Moon Knight, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a fairly obscure Marvel character. But he's, he's got a rabid following. For those who are into Moonlight, they're into Moonlight. You're just I shaking guess, your head. You don't understand. God bless him. You like what you like. like. <laughs> I would recommend, you know, go to a comic book store. You know how they have collections and stuff? Here's a collection of Moonlight stuff. Essential Moonlight Volume 1. I think only Volume 1 of 1 at this point. But still, do yourself a favor. Check it out. And it's not bad. I might even go one better. We've been talking about getting Marvel Unlimited which is a subscription service for Marvel, and I guess you get like unlimited access to their comic books online. Sweet. Yeah, so I think I might up that for a year, and I'd be really interesting to you learn a whole lot more about a lot more comics. Okay. What do you got for fan mail? Uh, I got this one from a guy who calls himself Toy Eater. I don't know what that means. Um, Toy Eater? Toy Eater, yeah. And mm-hmm. so, he, so this is in uh, response to our movie episode. He's saying, how can you guys not pick The Dark Knight as the best DC movie, let alone superhero movie, let alone best dork movie? It's a masterpiece. It's DC. Who cares? And then he says, you guys picked a fucking cartoon. Yeah, we know that. 
Um, I like cartoons. <laughs> so, under, understandably, uh, the Dark Knight has got a, uh, a, a big reputation, right? Why didn't we pick it? Um, well, why, we picked Batman Year One, right? I don't remember. You don't remember? Okay. I don't remember. Okay, well... So we'll, we'll just defend it here a bit. So, okay, so Batman Year One, it's a cartoon movie. We get that, right? But it's a direct adaptation of one of the best Batman storylines from the 80s. It's a Frank Miller storyline. It's top. It's top five Batman stories ever. And as an animated movie, it's very faithful to that story, which I like. It's incredibly uncommon, as I learned much to my chagrin with Civil War. Yes. So it's super faithful. There's also a... Dark Knight Returns co- uh, cartoon movie, and there's, I think, a Killing Joke cartoon movie that is just now coming out, or has recently come out. I'm actually going to see that the night before we close in the house. Really? Yeah, so less and than two weeks away. You've not read the comic, have you? I have not. You're in for a treat. I can't wait. Awesome story. Anyway, so we picked that just because, you know, I get it. The Dark Knight's great. I get it, okay? Yeah, of course it is. But, I mean... I am Batman! Yeah. Here's my thing. There's just, there's some things about it that, like, I snicker at. And when you got a movie that's trying to be so serious, right? Okay? I mean, I love Heath Ledger, and of course he's great, okay? But when you have every character making a speech with, like, everything they say, do you notice that? No one in The Dark Knight just talks. Everyone is, like, saying something really epic and important, and you better listen up as I explain all of the complicated themes of this movie to you. I didn't pick up on that watching it. I'll have to check it out again. Yeah, that's what The Dark Knight is. So it's The Dark Knight is a serious, dramatic movie for idiots because it spells everything out for you. <laughs> so thanks for writing in. We think you're an idiot. <laughs> don't ever write in again. <laughs> if you want to be made fun of on the air, just shoot us an email yeah. over at gmail.com. And, and everyone, you got a chance to write in. What was it? Fools, right? Exclamation point. Fools! Exclamation point. So if we get something wrong, not our personal opinion because our personal opinions are right, and it's our show. Damn it. Uh, but if we get facts wrong, which we are every now and then. Yeah, I care very little for the facts. I care about how emphatically I say what I want to get across. Yeah, exactly. We haven't gotten any of those yet. I mean, like, we're the corrections. Yeah, you know, until we hear something from the fan base, I assume that we're always right. <laughs> and speaking of being always right, P. Diddy in Florida, friend of the show, writes in. This is in response to episode two, the Game of Thrones episode. Okay, all right. Tom, you are so not a Lannister. Thanks, P. Diddy. You are the equivalent of the entire Star Clan, aside from stupid, worthless Sansa. Whoa. Whoa. I, I, I don't need to say whoa. I, I agree with that statement entirely. Oh, okay. You have the wisdom of Ned, the ferocity of Rob, and you love to sit in trees. <laughs> Keep up the great work. Me love you long time. What do you, what do you say about that? So. Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> you make some very valid points, and I guess I love you long time, too. That's all I'm going to say. So, you said you're a Lannister, right? You said you identify with the Lannister? Yeah, I said they had, aside from the sister bang, they have a lot of qualities that I admire. And... Elaborate, Bimo. What do you admire? What, what do you admire? That's like you when we play games. You ruthless? Ruthless, efficient, ferocious. They don't take shit from anybody and they accomplish a lot. Yeah? Okay. Just the sister bang. You're not into that. Not my scene, no. Not your scene? No. Okay. No. You know, to each their own and... Do you have a sister? Yeah, I have a sister. I, I don't have a sister. Oh, yeah, I have one. Five years older, lives in Baltimore. Do you ever get aroused by your sister? I can honestly say that I never have. Okay. I, I'm i not trying to be weird. I'm just wondering. Because I don't, I don't have a sister. So I'm just wondering, can you be attracted to your sister? I cannot. I can answer that with certainty. I don't know how other people feel. Um, 
I'll ask Duhau the next time I see him. He has a sister. It'll be fun to see his response on this. That's it for our fan mail this time. Great questions, everyone. We're working on a couple different episodes in the pipeline. I'm not sure which one is going to be next. I'm working on another board game episode with a certain friend of ours. Let's call him, I don't know, Adam. Let's call him Adam. He'll be making his first appearance on the show to talk about some board games. I'm also working on The Legend of Zelda. I'm playing Zelda games to prepare, and I've got a whole bunch of board games to learn more rules for. Jake, what are you playing in between now and the next time that we get together? I'm going to be doing some retro gaming. Yep. We're making that trip down to the dork store, and we're going to be uh, seeing what they got. There's some, uh, some classic console games that we missed when we were younger. Before we go, I thought I'd introduce something new to the podcast today. This is a surprise to even Jake. He has never been a part of this before. But here you go. Here's three cards for you. One color is going to be characters. One color is going to be attributes. You get to pick one character with one attribute. I'm going to pick one character with one attribute. And then we're going to fight. And our listeners are going to tell us who wins. Whoa. Okay. This is called Super Fight. So this is a game. This is a game by Skybound Games. It's, uh... You know, we'll play our round here, and then we'll talk about it next time. Grabbing my three cards as Jake looks at his. All right, I think I got mine. I'm ready when you are. So we just, we just try to pick a combination, and we just argue. Correct. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, here we go. All right, you got your two? I got my two. All right. I am going to challenge you with Bruce Lee mm-hmm. wearing a flaming tutu. My gosh. Okay. Who you got? Uh, I have a mummy who has a skunk on a stick. And for those of you listening, what Tom just did, he handed me three black cards and three white cards. And the uh, the three black cards, they had a some kind of thing on it. I have It's either a weapon or an attribute. A weapon or an attribute. And then the, the white card is some kind of character. We pick one white and one black. And we have to combine them. And then we throw them down. And then we... We just argue that, right? We're going to argue about it, and then listeners get to decide whose fighter wins. Okay. Well, yours is looking pretty good. Well, you know, Bruce Lee is Bruce Lee, first off. Yeah, okay. Agility, strength, martial arts, and wearing a flaming tutu. What are your mummy's bandages going to do when they come up against a flaming tutu? Well, uh, yeah, uh, you may have me here. Well, let's see. Well, there's mummy, so he's dead. He's got a powerful stench about him, okay? He also has a skunk on a stick. Or what that means. So imagine, imagine if you will, something that's been dead for centuries, okay? And that kind of stink, okay? Now he comes out and he's got a stick through a skunk's ass. And this skunk is squirting out its skunk juices everywhere. And the mummy don't care because the mummy's dead. His nose is whittled away, okay? And he's slowly walking towards you. Bruce Lee holds his breath. Ninja kicks the mummy in the face, busts his head off. Uh-huh. Kicks it a thousand yards away, uh-huh. and then Tiger punches the body, and poof, mummy dust. Mummy dust. Mummy dust. Okay. So let us know who wins. Send your answers to overratedpod at gmail.com. That's overratedpod at gmail.com with two R's, or send me a response on Twitter at twitter.com slash tomawesome. Thank you so much for listening. This was the Outside is Overrated podcast. Thank you, Jake, and we'll catch you guys next time. Stay inside. I think I got a bad girl. See ya.